Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Many times I speak with others about the relationship that we have with our God or the relationship that he has called us to. Sometimes I use terms like active participant and relationship in different ways, and many people simply have no idea what I'm talking about. Now, of course, there are some simple explanations that can be considered as to why people have no idea what I'm talking about. First of all, when I talk about the idea that we have a relationship with our God or that he has called us to have a relationship with him or that we are to pursue having a relationship with him, people generally have no idea what I'm talking about because they don't have a relationship with their God. And I can understand that. I remember what it was like when I had no relationship with my God at all And I do know what it's like to have a relationship with him right now. And so I can compare the differences between not knowing him, not having a relationship with him, and having a relationship with him. I can appreciate those things. Sometimes when I refer to our God as being an active participant or that he is participating in our lives, people have no idea what I'm talking about. And if they don't know what I'm talking about, it doesn't mean that he's not participating in their lives. It just means that they may have no idea how he is participating in their lives. Or they may not be aware that he wants them to participate in his life, to participate in the things that he is doing. But they have no idea what he's doing. They have no idea what he is trying to accomplish in their lives or in the lives of the people who are around them. And so when I use these terms, active participant, relationship. In many cases, people have no idea what I'm talking about because they have not encountered these things for themselves. I have heard many people use these terms, relationship and participation, in the conversations that they have had with other people, and I can tell that they have no idea what it means to really have a relationship with the living God, but they know that he has called us to have a relationship with him, and they have a hope, they have a belief that one day they will begin to understand, they will begin to encounter him in a more personal way, but they haven't quite experienced that yet, and so people will speak about it, people know that it exists, but they have not quite experienced it for themselves personally. In order to enter into the relationship that our God has called us to, There are many things that have to be considered. First of all, there are things that we do not understand that we need to understand. And there are many subjects that I've spoken about to address some of these issues. For example, forgiveness is definitely, I believe, the most important one. So there are many things that we do not know, that we do not understand, that we can understand if we will just simply take him seriously and believe what he has already said to us, believe what he has revealed to us. But there's another complication, and that is that there are things that we believe that are not true, that are barriers that prevent us from experiencing our God in a personal way. And yet, in many cases, we don't really know, we don't understand, we have no idea that there is a relationship between the things we believe 
and the bondage that we are in or the lack of relationship that we have with our God because they may appear to be disconnected and yet they are very connected. But because people do not see the connection between the beliefs that we have that are not true and the implications of those beliefs, because people don't see that, then it's very difficult for them to understand the seriousness of what we believe and the fact that these beliefs can have severe consequences when it comes to the opportunity that we have to have a relationship with our God. Now, in this program, I would like to go into Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, and speak about verses 19 and 20. Beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. Now in verses 19 and 20, we have an interaction that takes place between the living God and the first person who he made, Adam. We have an interaction that is described here. And I want you to understand that this is the initial description of a relationship between God and one of his people, one of the people who he has created. And there is a lot that is given here. There is a lot that is described here that will tell us quite a bit about how our God created us and how he relates to us as his creation. There are definitely many issues that are described here, and so I'd like to spend this time talking about these individual issues, and perhaps while I'm going through these individual issues that are found within these two verses, perhaps you may be able to consider some of the things that you believe and how they may have an impact or how they may have an effect on your ability or your capacity to know your God and to engage in the relationship that he has called you to. The first thing that I would like to talk about is the notion of time, that there is a period of time involved here. There is a period of time that begins when our God created the animals up to a point where he went to see what Adam would name the animals. I want you to consider this time period for just a minute that there was a span of time. There was an initial point, there is an ending point. Now, of course, I'm just speaking to this issue concerning the creation of the animals and the point where Adam named the animals. But I want you to consider that there is a span of time involved, that this did not happen spontaneously. This is not the description of some philosophical idea, but the description of historical events that actually took place over the course of time. Now, I want you to consider that God created these animals, and he also created Adam. But it appears that when he created the animals, he did not name the animals. There is no evidence to show that God actually named the animals. He did create them, but just because he created them doesn't mean that he has to name them or he had to name them spontaneously at the same time that he created them. I want you to understand that so that you can see that he created the animals, but apparently there is an incomplete work that is described here. There is an incomplete work in the sense that there is the initial work that was done of the creation, 
but the naming of them in order to complete this work had not yet occurred. This takes place over a period of time. God creates Adam, and then he brings the animals to Adam. Now, he didn't say that these animals just spontaneously appeared in front of Adam. It could be, and I believe this is the case, that the animals traveled to where Adam was located. Where it was is not important. What I want you to consider is that God created the animals, he did not name them, and then he brought them to Adam. And I personally believe that he brought them in the sense that he motivated them or he directed them in some way so that they would travel to where Adam was located so that Adam could see them and he could name them without having to go out and search for them and find them. But that God was involved in the life of Adam in such a way that God did something and Adam also did something. And together there was a conclusion that both benefited from. God created the animals, and he brought the animals to Adam. Adam named the animals, and in that way was involved in the completion of the creative work of the animals. Together, they did this. There is a relationship that is described here, a relationship of two individuals working together to accomplish a task. To accomplish something, to accomplish something that we could look back on and say, look, see, here is a moment in the history of humanity when something was started, something was completed, and two people participated in the act, in the event, in what happened. Two people participated and they participated together. They did this together. And so I want you to see that there is a time period involved. And I want you to see that this is a description of a relationship between two individuals and that this takes place over a period of time. Now, I want to focus on this notion of time for just a moment. I want you to consider that our God experienced a period of time. He experienced a period of time between the time that he created the animals and that Adam named the animals, that there is a time period involved there. Our God created the animals, and he waited patiently until he brought the animals to Adam. There was a time period involved there, and he waited. He waited for the moment when he was going to bring them to Adam, and he waited while Adam thought about what he would name the animals, and he waited for Adam to name the animals, and then he heard the names that Adam gave the animals, that God experienced time. Now, I know this is going to be very challenging for many individuals because there are many people who believe that God does not function with time, that he does not function within time, but that he functions outside of time. I personally don't believe that. I do believe that he can if he wants to. I'm not willing to say that God cannot do something. But in the midst of what he can or cannot do, this is what I see he has done. Now, in saying this, I'm not saying that time is greater than God. I do believe still that God is greater than time or that we should be concerned about the amount of time or the existence of time. What I want you to consider is that 
There are different ways of understanding time, and I personally believe that the simplest way of understanding time is to just simply understand that time exists and that there is an initial point, there is an ending point in many areas of life, and this will continue to be the case. And regardless of the amount of time involved, the important thing to me is to consider that it is the way that we measure time that gives the appearance that time is something physical, that gives the appearance that time is something more or that we make it out to be more than what it really is. The way that we measure time is what seems to give time a sense of physical property as if God created time. And in some ways, I suppose we could say that that's the case because of the way that we measure it. There are planetary rotations, there are orbits, there are different ways that we can measure time when we consider things such as planetary motion or combustion, things like that. I understand that. But what I want you to focus on is the idea that God actually waited. For there to be a time period, for there to be an opportunity for him to wait, this gives us an opportunity to see that our God is patient. I mean, what do you think he was doing? Do you think he was sitting down by a tree watching Adam? wondering when Adam would just get to it and name these animals. Maybe Adam was taking too long. Maybe there were other things that the Lord wanted to do. There is a true opportunity to understand that our God is a patient God when you consider incorporating time into the issue, incorporating time into the equation and understanding that our God is functioning within time, not without time or outside of time, but that he is functioning in time. I'm not saying that to say that he cannot function outside of time. I'm just saying that as we see the description of his interaction with us, he definitely is functioning inside of time. And this gives us an opportunity to understand many other things such as God's patience. And again, as I said at the beginning of this program, there are many things that people do not understand. They can't comprehend. And the reason why, in many cases, is because there are other things that they believe that prevent them from understanding other things, such as the patience of God. It's difficult for people to really embrace the idea that our God is patient when they separate him from time. It's very difficult to appreciate that. Okay, what I would like to pursue now is the idea that God is participating. And I mentioned earlier that they are working together, that God does his part and Adam does his part, and together they actually accomplish something. I want you to see again that this is the description of a relationship between the two. But when you consider this kind of relationship, how do you suppose Adam could have responded in this kind of a situation? He could have responded in other ways. Maybe he didn't feel like naming the animals. Maybe he had other things that he wanted to do. There is a situation here in the context of mutual participation where Adam could have responded in a way that perhaps we wouldn't expect him to respond. He could have said no. He could have not participated. He could have chosen not to be involved. Now, I personally don't see any way that a person would step aside from the opportunity to participate in something like this. I don't see why anyone would do that. But in a subtler sense, people do do that 
throughout their lives right now because there are many people who don't even believe that he exists. They don't even believe that he is actively involved. And instead, they become more preoccupied with what they want to do rather than get involved with what he is doing. And that's okay. There are many ways that we can consider these issues. But what I want you to see is that Adam had the opportunity to respond differently. He could have said something like, hey, you know what, God, that sounds really nice, you know, to spend an afternoon naming these animals. But, you know, I think I'd rather go do something else. I think I'd rather go and look at the trees and maybe look at some of the leaves on the trees and see the different shadows that they create. He could have responded in a way like that. He could have said, now let's do it tomorrow. There are other ways that he could have responded. He could have said something that sounds like, God, how could you, how could you consider coming to me, asking me what the names of these animals should be? How could you even consider that? Aren't you God? Aren't you the one who decides these things? Aren't you the one who knows best? Why would you entrust me with something like this? How do you know that I am going to be true? How do you know that I'm going to be faithful? How do you know I'm not going to make a mistake and name them something that's really ridiculous? Why Why would you trust me with something like this when you are God, when you have the ability to make all the right decisions in life and you can give the perfect names for these animals? I'm not sure that you're the kind of God that I should be trusting. How can I trust a God who would trust someone like myself? Now, from Adam's point of view, before he sinned, he may not have had that kind of an attitude. But what about today? If the Lord came to you and asked you to do something for him, he asked you to do something that would require you to be trustworthy, that he would put something in your hands. Wouldn't that make you a little nervous? Just a little bit? When you understand that you are sinful, that you are fallible, that you have a long history of making mistakes already, for him to put something in your hands and trust you with something like that, how can you truly trust a God who would trust someone else who is not a God, who has a long, glorious history of failures, who has a long history of sin, How can you trust a God like that? That's what I'm saying. Now, from Adam's point of view, he did not see the full scope of what I'm talking about, not the full scope that you can see today because of the situation that we are in in this current period of time. But back in the time of Adam, he could have responded that way. He could have said something to the effect of, God, I don't know that you're really trustworthy anymore, because if you were trustworthy, then you would not trust me with something like this. Now, there's something else associated with this, and that is that if God knows everything, if he knows what Adam is going to name these animals, then why would he ask Adam to name the animals? I mean, why wouldn't he just give Adam the list of all the names that he knows that Adam is going to give them, and then Adam can just read off the list when the animals come by? Or maybe in this sense, Adam doesn't really come up with the names. Maybe what really happened is that God gave the names into Adam's mind and gave Adam the impression. He deceived Adam. He deceived Adam by giving Adam the impression that he was actually naming the animals, but in reality, it was a work of God. It was really a work of God to come up with these names and to name these animals. These are the kinds of things that people are struggling with today in many aspects of life. Consider the work that I am doing right now. 
the work that I am doing by doing radio programs, radio recordings and broadcasting them, if I say something like, this is something that I am doing, how many people do you suppose are going to respond to that and say, now how could you dare say that? You know that this is a work of God and God is doing this within and through you. Why do they say something like that? Because they are terrified. They are afraid that God may have entrusted me with something. They are terrified of that. How can they trust a God who does not oversee these things in such a way that we will have no option concerning the decisions that we actually make in life? That's what I mean by the implications of what people believe. Because if you don't believe that God would trust somebody with something like this, then this is a belief that will find its way in other aspects of your understanding of who he is and how he is involved in your life and how you are involved in the world that he has created. So what I want you to see here is that Adam had an opportunity to say no. He had an opportunity to not participate. And he chose to do so. And I personally believe that that was a reasonable choice concerning the circumstances. I want you to understand that God did not give him the names, but that he brought the animals to him to see what Adam would name the animals. And the fact that God did not know, but that he waited, he waited to see what Adam would name the animals is okay, that you can still trust a God who would trust another person with something, that you can still trust a God who would patiently wait for the actions and the decisions of other people, that you can trust a God who would watch and observe these things happening, that he is still trustworthy. Now, did he know what Adam would name the animals? He could have known. I believe that he could have known. If he wanted to know, he could have known. But the fact that he said that he was going to see what Adam would name the animals, it is my belief that he chose not to know. Instead, he chose to wait and see. And so he waited and he saw. Now, that means that he also learned. He learned what Adam created. He learned what Adam came up with. To wait and see what Adam would name the animals, to do that, means that he would be waiting, he would be listening, he would be watching, And then he would learn the names that Adam created, that Adam made up for these animals. Now, is this really so terrible? Is this so bad to consider that God would learn something, that he would learn something from his creation? To many people, this is totally unacceptable because to them, this infringes on the character of God, that he has to know absolutely everything. Now, I personally do not feel threatened by the idea that God did not know and that he learned. I don't feel threatened by that. Consider how Adam would have felt if he knew that God knew what he was going to name them. I mean, how would that make him feel? God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you wasting my time? Just give me the list of names and so we can get this over with. But no, there is a description of a relational experience where God has the opportunity to actually enjoy the person who he made. He can enjoy the person who he made in a very unique way, and this unique way is by enjoying the names that Adam comes up with.
He can enjoy the work of Adam. He did part of the work and he can enjoy watching Adam complete the work that he began. And together they can accomplish something. Together they can experience something. Together they can have a relational opportunity where God could simply be sitting there waiting for Adam to come up with a name and hear Adam say the name and say, Adam, you know, that's a very interesting name. Or Adam, that's a great name. I will remember that. I will remember that. And so when they would go and talk about the animals, God would use the name that Adam created to talk with him. Now, how would you feel? How would you feel if you were Adam? What would happen today if God came to you and said, Hey, listen, I'm going to make a new animal. I'm going to make a new creation of some kind. I'm going to make this new majestic animal. I'm going to introduce him into the world. I'm just going to do this. I know I did this a long time ago, but I'm going to do this again. I'm going to make a unique animal, and I want you to name the animal. How would you feel if he came to you and asked you to do that? And he sat down with you, and he just waited until you came up with a name. How would you feel about your God in that context? How would you feel about him? I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about this and experience the time involved, that God would take time to wait patiently, to ask you to participate in something that he's doing, and he would wait for you to come up with a name. I want you to consider the patience of the Lord in that sense, that he is participating in time. I want you to see that he trusts you with something, that he trusts you with the naming of an animal that he creates. And I want you to see that he is going to take the name that you come up with and he is going to use that name whenever he speaks with you. Whenever he talks with you, whenever you get together with him and you talk about what the animal did this afternoon or yesterday and you talk about what the animal might do in the future and where it may go and the world that it may explore, I want you to consider that not because of the possibility that you might name one of God's animals, but because there are other things that he has definitely given to you to participate in and the significance of that is much greater than the naming of the animals, and I will explain this in another program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.